Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. In this week's episode, I am talking to the writer, journalist, and commentator Rob Walker. Rob's work covers design, technology, business, the arts, and a variety of other subjects. He currently writes the Workologist column for the Sunday business section of the New York Times and has written for a variety of publications like Slate, The Atlantic, TheNewYorker.com, and Design Observer. But I first came to Rob's work when he was featured prominently in Gary Hustwit's great uh, 2009 documentary, Objectified, that came out while I was in college, and I've been following his work ever since. In this episode, Rob and I talk about how a piece he wrote in 2003 on the then new iPod for the New York Times got him writing about design. We talk about how he thinks about writing for a general audience. And we also talk about both why both critics and designers need to wrestle with the consequences of design in the world, what it was like to interview Steve Jobs, and why he's not sure he can call himself a critic. This was a, a really fun one for me. I'm a big fan of Rob's work and have enjoyed his writing for almost a decade now and just really appreciate how he writes from the position of the consumer or the user or the viewer, which we talk about in this episode, but I just think adds a really important dimension to design writing and was just so excited to finally have him on the podcast. So this is me talking to Rob Walker. or maybe a kind of uh maybe this it's this is either a very weird way to start or a very kind of head-on blunt way to start um Mm -hmm. but you've written for numerous publications on uh a variety of topics kind of all over the map and so i'm kind of curious how how design became a part of your beat or where where that interest in design came from sure 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 um, so yeah, I've uh, been asked this a lot, um, okay. because, uh, I don't have a, I don't have a, any kind of formal background in design, um, and, uh, didn't set out to write about design in any way at all per se. But, um, what happened was, um, you know, I'm a journalist and, right. um, I had been, uh, and I've been around a while. <laughs> so I, uh, it, like kind of in the 90s, I worked in New York at various magazines as an, as an editor. And uh, so I was in my 20s then. And, um, and uh, a lot of business magazines. I had kind of a business journalism mm-hmm. background. Um, and then in the early 2000s, I, I, I switched over to writing full-time freelance. I left New York. Um, and I was writing for Slate. Um, and I was doing a column for slate called money box and within money box, there was a thing called that I created called the ad report card, which was about advertising. So I was kind of advertising, like writing about advertising and marketing was kind of this transitional step between business stuff and kind of more, you know, mainstream general interest, uh, topics. Yeah. And this in turn led to, you know, assignments for uh, magazines about marketing stuff, more re- more reported rather than the ad report card was a, a review column kind of thing. Oh, okay. Um, 
Yeah. So then, so I was always reporting uh, at the same time, like for, for magazines that, uh, you know, businessy stuff, but anyway, but so that would lead to kind of reported stories that were kind of grounded in marketing. Like I wrote a, a thing about Red Bull and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and, uh, but that led to an assignment. The first kind of like design story was, um, uh, I got assigned by the times magazine. I had been an editor at the New York times magazine in the, when I was in editing part of my life and uh, so I had I knew people there and I was doing freelance stuff for them as a writer and I got assigned a story about the iPod um, and it was like the iPod was two years old and it was it was conceived as not by me it was conceived as a sort of uh, design uh, story I guess and that was I I guess the sort of mm, the first thing that I did that fell into that category um and that later I did a column for the Times Magazine. After I left Slate, I did a column for the Times Magazine called Consumed, which right. was a, about consumer culture and why we buy what we buy and things like this. And design would just come up as an element of that uh, from time to time. Um, and that was that was my introduction to the desi- to the kind of design world. Yeah. Um, in the sense that the design world uh, introduced itself to me, um, <laughs> right. uh, because I wasn't really aware of all this okay. kind of dialogue that was going on around the importance of design or whatever, like this sort of design-centric view of the world. Yeah. That um, that uh, was uh, being um, explored, and not not uh, not you know some. I, it was interesting because uh, some people in that world. Uh, uh, embraced what I was doing and some people really did not think I was doing it right. Um, and they were correct that? that I wasn't doing it right because I was not writing for that audience. Okay. I was writing for a general audience. I did not care and I do not care to this day what the sort of design yeah. firmament yeah. thinks of what I have to say or whether I'm qualified. And I've, I've, you know, you mentioned, um, that you saw <laughs> objectified yeah. I did events around I did went to the promotional things for objectified and I got asked by a lot and, you know I'm the people in that movie are real experts you know? <laughs> and yeah. um, I got some weird looks from some people about like why like they wanted to know what I was doing there yeah and, and I was like I got invited so <laughs> oh see that see this is this is funny to me there, I'm not there... auditioning to be in that world that but I, I mean I love all of those people they're great they're brilliant but um yeah, but I'm not. I'm not coming at it from the same place. I mean, so th- there's like five things in there that I kind of want to pull out, and it's funny, yeah, because I wanted to to mention Objectify because I'm pretty sure that was my first introduction to you and your work, and I think <laughs> if if my timeline's right, I think that came out when I was in college, so I was still new to the world, also, mm-hmm. and and your segments in there really stood out to me as as kind of this interesting perspective and so I kind of started seeking out your writing after that so I had no idea that that you know potentially had some sort of of controversy around it but it leads to something that that you said that I thought was interesting that the design world kind of found you or this design beat kind of found you and that you were unaware of that what was your consciousness around this idea of design when you were assigned that iPod piece? Like, did you know 
did you know I knew, the- I knew what any I knew what any sort of you know reasonably like you know educated person who keeps up with current events okay you know like you didn't have to be you didn't have to be some sort of expert to know that the the design element of the iPod was kind of a big deal yeah and um and like and everybody at that time was you know that there was a there was a general interest in like well gee what is it about this product that has made it mm-hmm. so successful and um, how does Apple, you know, and this is at the t- at a time when Apple was still, uh, you know, still right. in a sort of comeback mode. Like yeah. it was this company that had been left for dead and it was one of the sort of the secret sauce was supposed to be this thing called design. And right. what does that mean? And so from a general interest, like person on the street point of view, there was kind of a like, well, what's behind that? What, what, how do we, yeah. how do we break down what, what that is? And, um, you know, so it was more that, um, than any, than anything else. It was more consumer culture sort of stuff, like, um, rather than sort of like getting into like, well, what were the influences of, uh, you know, the Bauhaus on, you know, (laughs) like, like that's not really where people were coming from and that's not where I was coming from. So I was just, you know, doing what doing what the job of a journalist is to do, which is try to empathize with the audience and figure out what they want yeah. to know. So, you know, I met with Johnny Ivan, I met Steve Jobs and all that. And we did, we had all those conversations. Um, and, uh, there was a, you know, and jo- like jobs in that, for that story, you know, was fairly, out- it wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't very enthusiastic about, uh, me okay. or questions yeah. and he was fairly unfriendly but he was um somewhat eloquent on the on the on on our you know the design isn't how it looks it's how it works and, and this mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. kind of stuff that, that i think is pretty familiar right uh, within design world but i think uh was of, of some value to a general audience uh to hear and so i was sort of you know, they're learning that stuff along with the audience that I was writing for. Yeah. I mean, th- that reminds me of, I interviewed a couple months ago, Carrie Jacobs. Um, mm-hmm. And she said something that, that stuck with me where that she basically said, I write about design because I really want to be a kind of generalist writer and design is a way that I can kind of mm-hmm. end up talking sure. about all the things that I'm really interested in. And it sounds mm-hmm. like that, might be similar to you is that would you agree with that yeah well i mean i think that the cleverness of being i mean i i would say the same thing about about marketing yeah, yeah. or you know i mean there's there's just different there's different ways of and it's and it's um yeah i think i think it's not unusual everybody wants to write about everything i suppose and so you try to take whatever your 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 field of expertise is and angle it in, in ways that will allow you to you know, get wherever you want to get wherever you want to go and it, you know sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't um yeah uh, it's better to just you know it's better to just be like just in uh, malcolm gladwell or michael lewis and be incredibly talented and successful yeah yeah you can do whatever you want that's, that's better that's a better strategy but i can't i don't have the uh, talent well, I, I think I think there's some of I think there's some of that in in your work actually. Um, but the I mean, and that that actually well, comes back to the other, talent. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about that. The the other thing that you said though that kind of relates to that actually that I thought was interesting is 
you from the beginning were writing for a general audience for a non-design audience and that you really don't care what the design crowd or the 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 people that study design you know that's not who you're writing for um and that's I'm I'm not surprised to hear you say that because over the last week or so as I've been rereading a lot of your work to prepare for this I was struck by how often you write from the position of the consumer or the user or the person who's encountering this and it's very much about kind of design in the world instead of writing about it as this kind of singular artifact or this you know yeah. art object um yeah. And, and I'm, I guess I'm kind of curious how you think about, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how to phrase what I'm, I'm trying to ask. Taking, taking your work and thinking about writing from that point of view to that audience, what are your, your kind of goals in writing? You know, is it, is it kind of educating the audience? Is it, is it journalism? Is it, criticism like how do you kind of parse out what your job is in writing about design you know what i mean i'm, I'm struggling yes, to articulate yeah. this but yeah okay. yeah, 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 yeah yeah first i want to just say like i say i don't care about i mean i don't want to sound like a jerk about it i don't think i'm better than anybody or whatever i just um i just uh it, it's not my to, to answer your question like what i'm trying to do not nine times out of ten what it comes down to is demystification mm. um I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to say like like with the ipod that story is an example or with any of these things it's sort of like uh, you know whether you're a designer or a technologist or, an, or a marketer you have an interest in mystifying your talent in mm -hmm. some way to make it seem as rarefied and special as, as possible. Yeah. That's to your advantage. Yeah. Right. Um, and to, and to make it so that, uh, you, you have the expertise and the secret shamanistic abilities that others lack. Right. <laughs> so you get more clients. Right? right. I don't care about any of that. Right. So right. My job is to demystify. So I don't want to get hung up. So, so when I say I don't care about it, it's it's like I don't I, I don't want to get in a position where if I'm writing I'm thinking about what will a design expert think about what I'm saying here. That's yeah. kind of I, I, if I'm writing for that audience, it becomes really limiting, and you end up like you 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 end up not demystifying, but just sort of further participating in the in the yeah. In, the, in this process that isn't educational yeah. to, a, to a lay reader. You can write in a way that's educational to, or, or one can write in a way that is educational to an expert audience, but I'm not that writer. I don't really, I mean, there are plenty of people who have that deep background. They've really studied this stuff and they really, you know, they want to write for a professional designer, an audience of other designers or of other design experts. Yeah, and there's just a big difference between trying to write for an audience of experts and trying to write for for a, a lay audience and to and to and to and to right. say to them something that like that to make them feel to make them a little bit smarter than they were about this subject. You know? Yeah, not to give them not to give them a, a seminar, but to say like you know here here's here's a little insight into how uh, these things. I mean, uh, I'm, it, that work. reminds me of of the piece you wrote in the New Yorker. Um, about the Netflix series Abstract, 
uh-huh. which which I I watched all of that and really struggled with it because it was I so clearly was not the audience because I was in that world and so I didn't you know I'm not saying I don't I don't want this to sound arrogant but I didn't learn anything new in that and it felt like it was making design this kind of magical thing and it wasn't the I I mean I'll be honest it just wasn't the show that I wanted it to be but Mm -hmm. I I had a hard time trying to figure out what someone who wasn't a designer would take away from that Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought your piece there did a really nice job because it it in a way I think abstract was kind of trying to make design seem like this magical thing like you're talking about and and you know you said very clearly it doesn't really wrestle with any of the implications of these things no um and the the point of that series was largely to for yeah it was for people who don't really who really don't know anything but it wasn't demystifying it was right it was like this is a neat design is a neat thing right and i think i i think that's what's interesting though is that design the word design has become this kind of buzzword now and you know um design is this thing that's kind of like sprinkled in all of these other fields now to make it seem you know new or innovative or something like that Mm -hmm. and and it's this word that that the general audience now is aware of and Mm -hmm. i'm even thinking specifically graphic design and i talk about this with a lot of the people i have on the podcast but when a company redesigns their logo and everyone has an opinion on it now um, yeah. and that that's a thing people are aware of has that changed how you think about your job or how you write about these things this kind of new consciousness or this greater consciousness around it um that's interesting i don't know how much i mean it, ha- it has had the effect of certainly like you don't you can't <laughs> you can't get away anymore with like sort of doing these I mean, that was what was funny about the abstract thing is it was that was that 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 like, hey, there's this thing called design. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you can't really get away with that for very long anymore. You have to sort of try to take it somewhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know that. The, I mean, I think that the that the sort of pop culture, I don't, you know, a sort of acceptance or, or awareness of design and like people reviewing logos uh, on on Twitter or whatever that kind of thing. I don't know how much effect that's really had on the way I approach this stuff. I think it has helped. I think there's more of an audience now. Mm. Um, I know that there's a lot of discussion. I think that that's more of a you know. <laughs> actually, this is an issue that I think is more of an issue for people who are who are more deeply um, entrenched in design world than I, than I am like I, cause I know that there's been a lot of debate about, yeah, isn't it horrible or is it, is, or is it great that, that the masses are reviewing? And I, I don't even, I, I just, to me, there's not that much to talk about. It's like, if you, wasn't this the idea you want a design to be treated like any other right you know, important subject. So that's what's happening. Right. And, uh, and as a, you know, as someone who, as, as a journalist who has spent, uh, upwards of 20 years living in the world of the masses picking on my profession. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't really <laughs> take that seriously. But, I mean, it's like this This is how it is. So uh, there's not really that much to talk about. If you're, if you're going to do things in public, 
yeah. then the public is going to have things to say back to you. And that's, that's just, that's yeah. the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had read, I, I somehow missed this when you had written it originally and I'm sorry to just bring up all of these old pieces, um, <laughs> you know, on the spot, like challenge you like this on the spot, but a piece you had written for design observer, I think it was called crit rage. Um, that was in response to something you had written for fast company about, um, uh, the Yahoo logo and how that this was actually a good time for design, that this is not the end of design writing that everyone's talking about this, but it's actually a very interesting time. And I feel like it's only progressed even more. I think that was four or five years ago now. Oh yeah. There's way more design writing around now than there was. I mean, way more, I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I see it more and yeah. more good stuff's being done. And yeah, and, I mean, know. do you think I something I I think about a lot? And again, this is hard for me because I I am so in this world. Is that it almost feels like the definition of design is expanding, um, and especially in graphic design. When I was in school, it was you make logos, you make books, you make posters. You know, that's kind of it. You work for clients. Uh, you make some websites. And now it's just, you know, design systems and community design. You know, does that – do you see that from, from your perspective? And does that kind of change the, the subjects that you're writing about? Um, the, the ex sort of expansion of what design means. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Sure. I mean, it's become, um, yeah, it's become kind of sprawling. Uh, it's complicated and it's, and it's, <laughs> um, I don't know how much it affects what I do or don't do. Um, I think that I've said versions of this before. I, I think that, um, you know, this word design, there's a 10 or 15 years ago, there was this, this yearning to get design, like design needs to be taken yeah. seriously, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. we, which we sort of talked about. Um, but sort of simultaneously, what the urge the, 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 is like, well, do you want it to be taken seriously or do you just want it to be applauded? Right. Um, right. cause those are two different things. And, um, th there's, uh, such a powerful push to make design virtuous, like intrinsically virtuous. Yeah. That, and that's what leads to it being expanded all over the place into like, well, social design and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I, I, um, I guess I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I, but I have always felt, and I've, said this many times in different contexts that d design to me is not intrinsically good. It's yeah. moral, morally neutral idea. Yeah. And the Kalashnikov is one of the most well-designed objects famously of, of all time. Um, and slot machine is yeah. Uh, an yeah. unbelievable yeah. masterpiece of design. It's not good for society, right. but it's amazing design. Now you can, now some people will say like, well, if it's bad, for society, then it can't be good design. I don't agree with that. Um, I think design is morally neutral and it's whatever you do with it can be good, bad, indifferent, somewhere in between. And we're in an interesting moment on that right now because of the way people are starting to talk about, you know, Facebook yeah. and all this. Stuff. Yeah. 
Um, like st- suddenly things that were being applauded five years ago are being booed. And it's like, well, it's the same stuff. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, nothing's changed. So so I think maybe we're finally going to get to the crossroads of, 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 um, uh, of, of accepting that – you know, design isn't necessarily, isn't always a force for good. I mean, and MoMA, Paul Antonelli has done some good Mm -hmm. things. I think the Design and Violence show was one of the most important uh, things that's happened in that world in the last five or 10 years because it's it's sort of starting to grapple with that in ways that are more, um, I think, long-term productive than just the constant constant sort of um, applauding the latest uh, Eve Behar thing or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is exactly, I feel like this, this idea is kind of where a lot of this podcast came out of. And we're kind of, we're, we're kind of talking about a lot of the, the, my own trajectory and thinking about this, because when I started this podcast, I, my thought was that design, there weren't enough people writing about design. And I very quickly realized that that was not true at all, that there are more people writing about design than ever before, probably, and talking about design than ever before. And what I realized I was craving was so much of design writing. And and again, I'm speaking kind of specifically about graphic design, but I think, you know, what you're saying applies to, to all of it is that it's this kind of quick aesthetic judgment it's you know is this new thing beautiful or not beautiful is this new logo good or bad and it is this kind of thinking of design being this this virtuous thing and what i'm interested in or or what i think i was interested in when i was looking for these answers and increasingly the type of design writing that i'm seeking out is this writing that really wrestles with the implications of these objects in the world um Mm -hmm. how do these things affect the one affect the culture that they're put into but then also what do these objects tell us about the culture that they came out of and and the the actual kind of process that led to them um Mm -hmm. and so i'm really interested in this this uh that thing that you said about design design itself being neutral but it's it's how we how we use it or, mm-hmm. or how it how it lives and i i, I kind of i don't know if i really have a question there other than i would like to hear you talk more about that idea because i think it's something that's really interesting um yeah well i mean <laughs> it's uh that was a horrible setup for a for an answer but <laughs> <laughs> well well i'll go back to the like i think that like i say i think we're grappling with it now with some of the some of the social media stuff and i, I just read something yesterday i think that was comparing um facebook and uh instagram oh yeah 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 i read that also and, uh, there were just a couple of interesting like points that were made in it the the one that uh, i thought was most interesting was how uh instagram is designed not like facebook is designed to share like to yeah to to pass along things and you don't really pass things along in instagram or i guess you can through third-party apps but really it's like you communicating directly with whoever you've chosen to communicate with as opposed like things don't go viral on instagram the way Mm -hmm. things go viral on Facebook. And so that's like a design decision that both of the, so those are two separate design decisions that were made. 
And, um, you know, I think that the idea of shareability was a highly prized uh, feature. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of striking to see it now being characterized as some sort of a problem. Right. Uh, you know, like, oh, this is one of the – because now people, you're just, they're sharing – they're not sharing – good positive fuzzy things they're sharing phony russian propaganda or whatever it is right so now now yesterday's feature is today's bug Mm -hmm. and um (laughs) you know i think that 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 kind of thinking about that stuff um is something you can only do if you get past this idea that like something that is kind of like successful is therefore good Mm-hmm. like automatically good mm-hmm. things can be successful and like this is obvious in every other <laughs> yeah in every other cultural category so it needs to be just as obvious in design that something that is a wildly successful piece of you know interaction design the shareability the 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 the, the, the way that shareability is enabled and encouraged on facebook is is great if good things are being shared right if not then it's uh potentially catastrophic right um, you know and uh there's a sort of naivete about the way this is stuff is usually is, is usually discussed and we're, and we're sort of wrestling with it as i say we're wrestling with it now in social media world i'm not sure that i buy the idea there's this huge backlash going on but it's at least being yeah um considered seriously i mean not like you know i've joked that it's th- what we're learning is the trouble with everybody but like the, <laughs> yeah you know the if you remember the there was a book called here comes everybody that was yeah. about isn't it great like now everyone's part it's like yeah d- the bad news is here comes everybody right. So, <laughs> right everybody means everybody and uh that's not an intrinsically good thing so a lot of the a lot of the things i'm saying about design uh, uh world are true of tech world too mm-hmm. which is um kind of where i spent I mean, I, writing about design is actually not that big a part of my practice anymore. <laughs> I kind of... Uh, I like that start- we get to that halfway through the, the conversation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just being honest that yeah. um, I sort of switched to more writing about technology stuff and then sort of work and um, mm-hmm. things. But uh, so just sort of disclosing that. But there's, you know, these things all overlap and it, it's... Right. it's um, and uh, I, I like trying to have the bring together the different perspectives. And the, I still uh, the background in business journalism is really important to everything I do yeah. now. It's part of what gave me a different perspective on it. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think you know, I, I I think your writing about technology or or work that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because there is so much overlap with design, and oftentimes the things that are talked about in or written about in regards to tech very much affect design and graphic mm-hmm. designers, but somehow that bridge never gets crossed. And I'm thinking about Facebook and I'm thinking about fake news um, is kind of very core to the fake news problem is a graphic design problem. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's that context is stripped away. It's that everything yeah. looks the same. It's that everybody has the tools to make things that look right real and I, I maybe i'm not looking in the right places but i feel like graphic designers aren't asking these questions or or how graphic design is either implicit in this or could think about this in in new ways um 
it's being talked about in technology and media, but when's that come back over to design? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would know better than I do what conversations <laughs> are. I mean, I, I definitely, because I definitely see that stuff talked about, but I guess it's maybe more in the technology realm that they're, certainly I think people have come to, have, have, have made this point that the Facebook's sort of flattening or the, or any social media platforms, yeah. you know, this, this sort of way that they flatten everything into one clean, consistent, uh, aesthetic. Um, yeah, it has, it, it has, it has a real effect on how things are perceived. And, and I think that was seen as a good thing, uh, um, not that long ago that, you know, that it was a, it was a way of smashing the gatekeepers and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, um, I mean, and- I, I'd even I'd even go a step further and look at services like Squarespace, where anyone can make a website sure. that looks good, and that that I think largely is is seen as a good thing, and it it sure. probably is. But then it also lets people create really nice looking professional websites for things that maybe are not those things. Yeah. Uh, or even less nefariously, just people who don't really have the who, who really who, who really aren't that professional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely. I mean, it's been the holy grail for 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 as long as as long as we've been like since you know like the Netscape or you know moment. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Easy plug and play. You can do something that looks as good as the New York Times with no effort. <laughs> right. Right. One of the one of the questions that I ask everybody as we start to head into the, the kind of final part of the conversation is something that we've kind of been talking about through all of this. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask it to you in two ways. Um, the first is, what are the topics that that you think are kind of important for designers to be talking about today or important to the design discourse and we've kind of that's kind of what we've been talking about um so I'm, I'm curious if you have if there are other things that you think are are relevant right now or should be talked about um and then this the second way i'm going to ask it uh is more specifically to you or what are the topics design or not that you're really interested in right now or that you're kind of exploring right now in, in your work um Okay, so I guess for the first one, I think, you know, I, we have sort of covered that I think that um, mm-hmm. uh, there should be more thought to, I mean, it sounds corny to say consequences or whatever, because people sort of talk about that all the time. But I mean, just to more continue to grapple with the idea, like, let's get beyond, let's get, let, let, let's, let's declare victory on the idea that design has been is, is taken seriously yeah or is, is recognized and, and like let's really start to take it seriously in, in the sense of um uh, not just this sort of like let's look at the negative consequences let's look at let's look at great design that's also bad and why <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know that's happening i don't want to make it sound like Right. I want to be careful that I'm not that I'm not sort of there are there are serious critics out there and um yeah 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 of who, course who deal with this stuff in, in very serious ways and uh, in in big venues and in real and in and hardcore design venues whatever like it's not like it's not like I don't want to sound like I'm this one lonely voice who's got the <laughs> right, right but that's yeah, my point yeah. of view 
So I think that, and I think uh, maybe humility is a is a theme that I, I teach a little bit, and I uh, would like to see in the design. Yeah. Uh, curriculum, I guess, a little bit more. There's a little bit of a there's a there is a, and this is partly like design, like so. Design is is also a business, right? These, and I, I don't want to get into naming, but like there are big design firms out there who have an intrinsic interest in saying, you know what you yeah. companies, governments, what everybody really needs is, de- and that's where this design thinking idea, like right. you need this design thinking and, and, uh, like every, every problem in the world, really what it <laughs> needs is design. To come in. Yeah. And I would like to sort of see a little bit more humility that like, you know, actually it kind of works the other way too, that there's really nothing that design can do without drawing on, Right. Other people's expertise in other fields and to maybe stop marginalizing uh, the importance of yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> actual love that. experts in other fields. So those two things. As far as um, my uh, work, I am um, I'm a, we're doing a book that uh, um, I'm sort of in the middle of, so it won't be out for a long time. Okay. <laughs> but it's about attention and noticing and, and – um, Oh, interesting things like that so that that's so i don't i don't really want to uh, yeah go on about it at great length but that but those uh sort yeah. of general subjects are where my head is at these days and it's it kind of comes down to like trying to pay attention to what what's being overlooked and underrated and mm. and, and not uh, paid enough attention to mm-hmm. um and trying to reclaim some um individuality in in the way that one and this is you know you've heard the term attention economy and all yep. this kind of stuff and so i don't want i'm not writing about um i'm not writing about the problem i'm writing about how about ways to uh on an individual level uh uh cope with it oh solve. interesting interesting yeah. so. i i'm curious i don't want this question to be too uh too reductive um but I'm curious, you know, you were just talking about how there are there are serious critics out there who are kind of doing that stuff that we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you've you referred to your work um, as journalism. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious if you see a difference between uh, journalism and criticism. Uh, or, or do you approach those differently? Yeah, okay, that's a good question. And, like, I guess that I... Um, because clearly a lot of what I like, I, I, I was sort of raised as a journalist, as it right. were, like professionally. Right. That's my background. I, I, but like some of what I do really isn't isn't like it, it really is just like, here's what I think. Yeah. Um, so I tend to call that kind of work when I'm doing it, I call it commentary. Mm. Um, and that's uh, I'm just I'm a little scared of the word critic. <laughs> OK, because um, I don't think I have the background for it. I don't think I'm qualified to call myself a critic and I'm not being falsely modest. I just don't, I think, I just don't think my work quite fits in that category. I think it's more like when I I think when I'm doing non-journalistic stuff, it's more like commentary. So there are other people who, but, but there, you know, to answer like there, it's like a continuum because like you mentioned, Carrie Jacobs, like her work is both journalistic and critical, I think. Right. right. Um, You know, and obviously like Michael Kimmelman and, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm you know, Alexandra Lang and like people, people like that, like, they, like they're sort of doing both, you know? And, yeah. um, and, uh, occasionally I, I do stuff that falls that way. It really depends. It, and it you know, it depends on the assignment and depends on the editor, but I don't think that I have quite that 
that's not exactly my, I'm not, I'm not really a critic. It's not really my brand as it were. <laughs> right. Uh, right. So, okay. I mean, the reason I was asking is I've talked to a lot of, uh, curators recently and I've been kind of talking to them about the difference between being a curator and being a critic and this idea of kind of selecting objects for a show and how they bring in their, how much of their own point of view they bring in or how much of their opinion around things they they bring in and i was kind of curious how you think about that in regards to a piece of of journalism and so i think this idea of commentary actually um kind of answers that question uh yeah and i mean the, the other way to answer like the other like for me with that it, it's it, it's less in some ways like you know i remember when i was writing consumed i would get this a lot and uh, i still get it for other things i do it's like uh, that i'm that I don't quite say what I think sometimes mm. maybe as direct, like I don't give you the, the thumbs up, thumbs down right. thing. Um, and I, I think it's because I don't see that as necessarily my role and people aren't necessarily reading my work to find out what I think. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, the truth is that, um, my work is a 100% about what I think. It's like all guided by it's like the subjects I choose. Right, right. The way I approach them. But just because I don't say yay or nay, like there's more to having a point of view than that. Right. Um, so uh, I think that my, that everything I do is guided by a sensibility, but it's not, it's not a sensibility that is literally like, you know, yeah. like Michael Kimmel, like people read his stuff because they want to know what he thinks. I don't think people read me that way. Um, <laughs> okay. I yeah. don't. Yeah. But I mean, do you, do you, and I, I, I don't, but I guess I'm curious, you know, when you're writing something for, uh, you know, the New Yorker, for example, and it's kind of a, a reporting piece. Um, how do you think about how much of your opinion on those things make their way into it you know whether you do think it's a, a good thing or a bad thing i know that's kind of what you were you're just saying but are, is that something you're conscious of of are any of your biases coming into this or are they they're yeah, just always well, there okay so let me use first of all so the stuff i've done i've done a few things for the new yorker's website um, right right so and those aren't none of those were really re heavily reported but like uh, the, like so let's say let's take the last long thing i did uh, was for Fortune, and it was about oh, right. sort of the the state of the logo. Right, and, that's right. I remember that. Right, so that's like a reported piece. And you know, is it like is there a moment of that piece of me saying this is a good logo, this is a bad logo? No. Right. Um, but is it point of view driven? I think so. Um, mm. You know, I have my points to make about. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think I'm making arguments yeah. about why the logo like what why the logo has changed the way it has and, and things like this yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah and uh i think it's so i think it's informed by a point of view and i think that you could find things in there that are kind of me asserting something but it's not but it's not in the sense of me saying that uh, target has the best logo and walmart has the dumb one or something right, like that right like, yeah I, yeah I'm, that I'm, makes no, sense that's not that's not my thing. Right. rob thank you so much this was like i like I said, um, I've been reading you now for, I don't know, almost a decade or so. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm a big fan of your work and, and your writing and had, had been wanting to talk to you basically since I started this podcast and thought that this was so great uh, and interesting. So thank you so much for your time. 
Uh, well, you're welcome. You're very kind. This episode was recorded on January 24th, 2018. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.